Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series for 2008. Now here is Pastor Scott Floyer. Well, good morning. My name is Scott. For those who didn't know, I'm the pastor of students. I've said that before. I'll say that again just so that you know who I am. I am the bald guy that hangs out with middle school, high school, and college students. And no, I don't have a maturity problem. That bad. Don't talk to my wife. No, um... We're starting a new series. It's called Simple Faith. You know, we used kids building blocks to look at what it looks like. Uh, Simple faith is something that we often look at and go, oh, that's easy. No, simple is usually really hard. It can be complex. It can be be really something we have to work at. I got to be honest, I'm, I'm excited to be here at Northgate. Um, I didn't know I realized, I didn't really realize until yesterday that I moved to Seattle. <laughs> but, you know, I moved here from Phoenix, and so we had like two days of rain. And, you know, you guys, it was all week. And I never knew rain could go like this until this week. But my family and I, we've really appreciated the support and the care we've gotten as we've moved up here. Um, but, you know, if you look into the new year, and you think about what's going on in your life, it's always good to say, okay, I want to simplify things in my life. I want to make things simple. In fact, if you go on the internet and you Google Google, simplify life, you will get almost 750,000 websites about how to simplify your life, okay? Some of them about finances, some of them about, you know, your your schedule. One was on how to simplify your, your closet, you know, I mean, just everything down to what you could do to simplify your life. In fact, there was one person that had this website about simplifying their life. Now, you got you to gotta hear this person's title, okay? This person's title was Certified Emotional Intelligence Life Coach. I was thinking simplify your title. How'd you like to have a business card on that? But this person had a list... A list of things to do. Now, here's the list. Six steps to help simplify your life, all right? Now, I looked at this and I laughed the whole time. First one was make a list of five things most important to you. One of the things I want to do to simplify my life is not make more lists. I don't know about you. My wife is the queen of lists. In fact, she makes a list to know where her lists are, you know? I walk around the house, there's a post-it that says, find the list. I mean, it's like, this is... So you got that. Then it says, tune out and tune in. My question is, can you get that on iTunes, you know, because I'm simplifying it that way. Spend time, not money. A lot of people would go, what if I don't have either? You you got that one. Think outside the cubicle. Well, what if you work outdoors? How can you simplify that? Count your blessings. That one's a good one. I like that one. But then that means I got to do something else. I'm counting now. What if I lose track? I need to make a list so I know how many blessings I have. And then the last one is join others. Join with others. That's joining with others to say, I need coffee because there's a list of things I have to do now. (laughs) I really enjoyed reading through some of the suggestions. But when I looked at simplifying our lives and we looked at the different things, it all came down to finally one thing, focus. If you look through all of the different websites, if you look through things in life, when they talk about simplifying life, it's focus. What is your priority? Because what you make your priority, you're going to do. And as you focus on those things, you can see things in a different way. But focusing and being simple is tricky. It's not easy. In fact, sometimes it can be downright uncomfortable. 
And as you focus on things, you have to develop a different way of looking at what's going on in your life. I want you to take a look at this video clip. This is a video clip of a man trying to figure out the secret of what it means to focus. Some of you may have seen this, but I think it's really important that we take a look at this. Check out this video of what this guy's doing. May I come in? If you bend your medial collateral ligaments, place one talus in front of another, I don't see where you'd have a problem. <laughs> of course, if there were a news story covering this event, the headline might read, Small Brain Enters Room. Fingers. What's the answer? Oh, you're another one of those bright young fellows who always know the right answer. Nana? Welcome to real life. you're well on the way. You didn't see something here besides a crazy, bitter old man. You wouldn't have come in the first place. What do you see when you look at me, Arthur? You fixed my cup. I'll see you around. What I love about that scene is he says, look past the fingers. He says, look at the solution, don't look at the problem. I mean, if we think about it, that's really what God's asking us to do. If you listen to what that older man was saying, he said, don't look at the problem, look at me. When it comes to our simple faith, when it comes to focus, God says, look past the problem and look at me. Well, some of us, to be honest, we've never grown up thinking about what does it mean to look past our problem, look at God. Maybe we grew up in a relationship or in a home where that wasn't an option. We need to take time to look at focus, to look at simple focus. What's awesome about this is this is not a new subject. 
This isn't a new subject. This is something that's been covered for thousands of years. In fact, in the Bible, there's a story where a young man comes to Jesus and asks him a question about focus. He's very earnest about it. And we're going to take a look at that story right now. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to turn to Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. Now, if you have your own Bible, that, you know, open that up, take a look. If you're looking at one of the Bibles on the, on the uh, chairs there, it's page 1005. If you don't have a Bible with you or if someone already grabbed the one off the chairs, it's in your program. It's at the top of the insert called Simple Faith, Simple Focus. And if you have your own Bible, you figure out what page it's on. <laughs> but let's read this together. It says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the discussion. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? See right there, he's already asking, okay, what do I focus on? What am I supposed to take a look at? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it's important to love him with all my heart and understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing this man's understanding, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. See, we've got to get a picture of what's going on here. We have Jesus speaking. We have religious leaders that are standing around listening to what he's saying. Now, if you read through the New Testament, most of the time any religious leader was talking to Jesus, they were usually looking to trip him up or mess with him. Okay, in this day and age, they're trying to punk him, all right? They were going after Jesus. And so this young man comes up and has a real earnest question. Jesus, being the son of God, is able to look into this man and say, man, this guy's really serious about the question he's asking. He's really serious. So I'm gonna give him a serious answer. I'm gonna tell him exactly what he should focus on. Now, as I was growing up, I used to hear this story and I'd go, okay, uh, you know, I've seen the Prince of Egypt I know there's 10 commandments. You know, Charlton Heston goes up on the hill. I mean, Moses goes up on the hill. And he gets the 10 commandments. I, I've, you know, I watched movies around Easter. I knew what was going on. So I thought, how, how can you ask? There's 10 commandments. How hard is that? Well, what this young man was having to deal with was the religious situation at his time was they had added more commandments. They had added so many that they had trouble remembering them. There were 613 different commandments in the religious system of that day. Now, I don't know about you. I played football. I'd have trouble with two. <laughs> That's what Jesus put out. He says, love God, love others. I'm going, okay, could you say that again? <laughs> but they had 613. And the way they broke it down was they had 20, 248 positive, 365 negative commandments. If someone's commanded me to do something, sometimes I just think they're all negative. You know, I don't like being told what to do. It's an issue. God and I are still working on it. You know, but no one could fully obey all these. I mean, you would wake up and breathe and go, oh, "I broke a commandment." Right? You've got all these things going on. So they even had to break it down. They took it even made it even more simple. They said, "Okay, there are heavy commandments, 
And there are light commandments. The heavy ones are really important. The light ones are, mm, okay. <laughs> How do you live your life with, mm, okay, you know? But they had all these commandments. So if you look at what's going on, this young man's going, okay, there's not just 10, there's 613 commandments that I've got to live with. What is most important? Jesus took the complex and he made it simple. Okay? Jesus took the complex and he made it simple. He said, love God, love others. But to be honest with you, when you take it and put those two down, that makes it really hard. Because you can't skirt around the 600 and say, well, I didn't know that one. If it's two, you, <laughs> you, you know it. Okay? There's two. So Jesus took the complex and he made it simple. But when he spoke this, he spoke so much more. And what I want us to do is look at four ways we can express in our everyday life these two commandments. We're going to look at four ways. Okay? First thing is this, we need to connect with God. Now, a lot of people will say, well, connect, that sounds so, you know, so far away. That's more like you know, something we do with our computer. I'm connecting it to the wall. I'm connecting to the internet. No, connection is something deep. It's a relational thing. See, when I first met my wife, there was a connection. I met her at my brother's wedding. I went, huh, all right. <laughs> so that's a connection, right? <laughs> but after 15 years of marriage, the connection has changed. The connection has changed. Why? Because I've worked at my marriage. My wife has worked at them. If we lived our life in relationships all about the warm fuzzies of that first connection, relationships would end up dropping off like they are. It's about working at it. And that's what God is saying. I want you to, I want to connect with you. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says, I have placed in you eternity. I have placed eternity in your heart, he said. So we have this yearning to connect with God, whether we know it or not. But we're there to connect with God. In fact, in, verse, uh, in Exodus 34, 14, in the New Living Translation, God was saying, you must worship no other gods but only the Lord, for he is God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Isn't that exciting? There's a God that created the heavens and the universe that is passionate about me. It's passionate about, I want to connect with that. Not on a one-time basis, but on numerous levels. Next thing is this, we need to care for one another. We need to literally care for one another. Now, Jesus said, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So he said, love God, love others. And like I said, when you go simple, that means it's harder. So when he said, love your neighbor, when he said, love others... If you go into the New Testament, there's this big discussion on, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus said, anybody that walks by you. So when we say lovers, love others, it's not the people that I just like. It's not just the people that are around me. It's not just my friends. It's not just my family. It's others. And I'll be honest, I struggle with that. I do. I grew up in a rough neighborhood where you really didn't trust anybody. Okay. My, my first job was learn how to fight <laughs> or run fast. 
I picked up the run fast, a lot quicker than I did the fighting part. I'll be honest with you. But it's about, so I, in my, in who I am, I don't trust a lot of people. I, I have a hard, I really ask God to work on that meeting because people walk up and they're like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, I don't know if you're like that. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But we need to care for one another. In fact, it says in the early church, Christians, followers of Christ, were known for the way they cared for each other, for the way they cared for the elderly, the sick, the widows. It was important to them. And and that's what drew people to this newfound thing called Christianity, was the way they cared for one another. That's what the, the church of Acts was like. People were drawn in. You know, I love it when I hear people say, well, I don't like big church. I want small church. You wouldn't have liked the book, the the church of Acts. The church of Acts was 30,000 people. But they knew how to care for each other. So as big as they got, they still were small because they cared for one another. Because it says they met in the temple courts, but they also met in homes together. So we got to care for one another. We've got to come together. Support one another, love on one another. I had a guy I worked with in Missouri. He was in the very first church I ever served in. I was working in a Southern Baptist church in Missouri. Yes, I know, I'm still in recovery, but don't. (laughs) And that's just about the Missouri part. Um, But one of those things was, I asked him, I said, man, you know, really, I'd love for you to come and hang out at our church. He was he was going to another church. He says, why? Why would I want to go to that church? I said, well, you know, God's doing some awesome things. And he goes, why? Because people at your church, if they just get in an argument, they're going to just start another one. So, <laughs> never mind, <laughs> you know. Unfortunately, the church of today is known for not caring instead of caring. John chapter 13, verse 35 says, for your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. When it comes to faith and focus, how are you loving on people? And not just the people you like. I mean, Jesus showed his love for us by dying on the cross. People very, very far away from his father. You know, I've talked to students about this. I have, I, this is a hard thing for me to wrap my head around because I'm a father. I have a son. I have two daughters. I have a son. I love my kids. There is no way I would let one of my kids die before you. But that's what God did. That's what God did. So when you want to talk about caring and loving, what a great example. What a great example. And that's something we've got to learn. I'm still working on wrapping my head around that. But our love is the example that people are looking for. Third thing is this, is we can serve in the body. That's the church. We can serve in the body. We can take our opportunity. Now, remember, I said, when it comes to growing and connecting with God, it's going beyond the warm fuzzies. In fact, I read where it says, to love God is not to have good feelings about him, for true love involves the will as well as the heart. Where there is love, there will be service and obedience. And so we need to serve God within his body. It's getting beyond the warm fuzzies. It's taking next steps. 
I love my wife. I love my family. I hate doing dishes. <laughs> my kids tease me because they're like, you never do the dishes. I'm like, why do you think I had kids? <laughs> but there are times that I will get in there and I would say, I don't like making the bed. When I grew up, my mom used to, do, she, her philosophy was if the door is shut, I don't have to see it, right? So I didn't make my bed. I was one of those guys that had the one sheet and the comforter and I just throw the comforter out and the bed was made, right? Now I have a wife and she has the 20 million pillows <laughs> that you can't sleep on. And then there's the, the, the comforter, there's the sheet, there's, I mean, all of this stuff. And there are times that I look at that and go, no way. Just to get in bed, it's like, takes a half hour. We got to put the pillows and I just, oh. But it's important that we, one of the things that I try to do is make the bed for my wife. Why? Because it's serving her. God asks the same of us. As we enter into our relationship with him, there's different, there's things that we can do to grow in that relationship. Part of that is serving I love Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Now, this is from the message version. It's a paraphrase, and if you freak out over a paraphrase, you could always go back to the King James. That was perfect. Um, <laughs> but it says this. It says, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. I want you to look at that. How inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Spurring each other along. That's why we come together. We need each other. We need to serve one another. We need to care for one another. And not just on a superficial level. I love it when you hear people say, oh, I was helping out at that, that, that ministry. Or I was helping out at that uh, you know, homeless shelter. How are you helping out? Well, I wrote a check. Yeah, that's the easy way out. It is. It's connecting with people. It's serving one another. It's getting down on our hands and knees, getting dirty together. That's serving with one another. And God calls us out of these two commandments. There are four things you can do. You can connect with me. You can care for one another. You can serve in the church and you can spur one another on. You can push people to do new things. And then the last thing is we can share our faith. We can share our faith with others. Now, this is where people really get uncomfortable. You mean I have to talk about who Jesus is? You know, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> Jesus did. In fact, he says in the New Testament, I will be offensive. I, I, I bring sometimes division because people don't want to hear about who I am and what I've done. But God's called us to share our faith. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be one of those people that stands up on the cardboard box in the middle of the town. <laughs> You're all going to hell, right? <laughs> I'll be honest. I grew up in Denver, and on the 16th Street Mall, there was always this one guy that, you know, was standing on the corner, and he was screaming and yelling. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you don't repent. You're going to hell. I, said, I trusted in Jesus a couple years ago. He goes, oh, that's great. <laughs> I just kind of was like, okay. In my mind, I'm going, dude, I'm praying for you. 
We need to understand that we're asked to share. That doesn't mean we're in people's faces. That's by loving on people, walking beside people. I, I was reading a book. Ken gave us a book. It's called Reveal. And at the back of the book, it's talking about statistics and how people share, share their faith. And the, the number one way that people have seen other people come to know Christ and hear about Christ is the you want to hear that? It's, it's tough. It's tough. You look at someone, you go, I'll pray for you. Number one way, I'll pray for you. I read that yesterday. I thought, you know what? That, that, I like that. I'm going to try it out. So this morning, I go into Rayleigh's to buy our communion for students. They're called donuts. <laughs> we have a game, we give away donuts in the morning. And this lady said, I heard this conversation. One lady goes, yeah, well, how long, did I, how long a time did you get to spend in jail? I'm like, oh, <laughs> my kind of people. All right. <laughs> I looked at her, I said, what going on? What, what happened? She told me, I said, man, I'll pray for you. She goes, really? I said, yeah. She goes, okay. She goes, so I'll see you next Sunday, right? Because she knows I come in and get donuts every Sunday. I said, yeah, I'll see you next Sunday. She goes, okay, by the way, what's your name? I said, Scott, what's your name? We started talking. All I said is I'll pray for you. God has called us to share our faith. doesn't mean we get in and beat people up with the Bible. But it's loving on people. It's sharing little things. I'll pray for you. You got to remember in the end of book of Matthew, we have what is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a commandment. It's an order. It's a directive. It's not a suggestion. Unfortunately, too much of us take it and we say, oh, that's a good suggestion. I'll let my life, I love this one, I'll let my life be an example. That's great, but if people don't know who is leading your life, what difference does it make? We need to share who Jesus is, what he's done. I love the story in the New Testament where it talks about the blind man. The blind man is healed by Jesus, but he never sees Jesus. They take him into the temple. The religious people are going, who did this? Who did this? He goes, I don't know. They're like, what do you mean? Some guy named Jesus. What does he look like? I don't know. He goes, all I know is that once I was blind, now I can see. Hmm. Once my life was this way, now my life is this way. That's all you got to share. Share your story. Share your story. You don't need to know the four heavenly hops, right? The massive passage to Jesus. You don't even have to know that. Share your story. This is what my life was like before Jesus. This is what my life is like now. I tell people all the time, there are two women in my life that have made a great impact. Number one, my mom, who never quit praying for me. And number two, my wife, who showed me what it meant to be a follower of Christ. Their two stories make an impact. I love what it says in Acts 20, chapter, chapter 20, verse 24. It says this. It says, but my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others, I want you to circle that, telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. These are four ways to express two commandments. Love God, love others. These are four ways that we can walk away with life. Now, I want to give you a question for the week, okay? The question for the week is this. What focus have I put on my faith for 2008? I mean, we always have great resolutions about I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to stop drinking coffee, I'm going to start doing this. Start. Where's your faith in all of that? And what focus have you put on it? Maybe this morning, this is the first time you've come and you've never 
ever taken that step of saying, okay, okay, I know who Jesus is. I know what he's done, but I need to trust in him. You know, God, it said that he created us to have a relationship with him. But it's our sins, our things that we've done wrong that separate us from God. You know, no matter how good a person you are, that doesn't take away that from your, from your relationship. Sin is still there. You can walk every old lady across the street. You can go to church every week. You can, but unless you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that doesn't change. Because paying the price for our sins, Christ died. And everyone who trusts in him and him alone can have eternal life. And that life means that we can spend forever and ever in a relationship with a great and amazing God. And that doesn't start the day you die. That starts the day you believe. So where are you at with that? Maybe this morning you've been going to church for all your life. Maybe you've, you've always been going to church. But just lately it's been like, oh, it's just so hard to do what I'm doing. I'm going to ask you to really pray that God would open your eyes to simplify your faith. To take the time to focus on it. Maybe you're serving in church. Maybe you're, maybe you're just rocking and rolling with your relationship with Christ. You're going, oh, this is amazing. Oh, God is awesome. He's doing, just doing so many, uh, many things in my life. How are you using that to impact others? What step have you taken there? I want everybody to close their eyes and bow their head. This morning, I don't know where you're at with Jesus, but he does. And maybe this morning you're sitting there saying, I've got to do something different. I've got to simplify my life. I want you to understand the most simple and easy thing you can do is put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean your life will become easy, but it simplifies things because you have, you have now the power to look past the problem to see the solution. You can look at God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a simple prayer. If you want to repeat it, I give you that option. Just say it silently to yourself. I want you to understand there's nothing magical about this prayer. It's about your heart having a conversation with God. And all you have to say is, God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. And right now, I am putting my trust in Jesus and his work on the cross so that I might have a new life, so that I might have the ability to look past the problem look at you, God, the solution. Forgive me of my sins. Take them far away. Maybe this morning you're a person that is struggling. I want to be able to pray for you because God wants to have a relationship with you. God, I pray this morning that we're able to focus on you, that we are able to take the idea of simple faith and just simply focus on you. God, allow our heart to beat in tune with you. Open our eyes, our ears, our heart, and our hands to what you would have us to do. May we be the people that you've called us to be. May we be 
the body of the church that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. Thank you.